Hey guys, it's Ananya and welcome back to The Face Reality. Today we have a very, very special guest in and I'm going to let him introduce himself to you guys. Hi y'all, my name is Krish. I'm a sophomore at Vanderbilt University studying cognitive science. Yeah, that's so cool. Oh my gosh, I didn't even know that. Um, all right, so Krish has a book that he's actually written and uh, this is kind of like why he's on today. It's a very interesting book and it has a very interesting concept. So I'm really excited to just jump right into the questions. Um, so first, as a South Asian, what does mental health mean to you? So for me, I think mental health is a really like well-versed topic that's had that that's had a lot of research done in terms of like the psychology and the neuroscience aspects of it. But it also is a very stigmatized topic in the South Asian community particularly because there's like this lack of definition, a lack of labels. Um, I've spoke to many like South Asian professors, South Asian leaders in my community here and back home. And they've all spoken on the fact that language in India, whether it be Hindi or the, whatever you might be speaking, does not have a specific word for like depression or anxiety or stress or anything like that. There's no specific word to indicate that you have some kind of disorder or a mental health ailment. And I think the lack of labels, the lack of recognition goes on to this idea of being aware of having some kind of mental health disorder or illness that you might have going on. And I think that all kind of ties back into the, this idea that you don't have, um, they, they are not encouraged to, I guess, find help for what's going on in your life, whether it be um, family struggles, personal problems, um, academic things, social things. Uh, all of these things kind of relate to your, your sense of self, your sense of self-esteem. And it always boils back to the fact that when you don't have this idea that, you know, you can go out, you can seek help because of an actual issue or an actual disorder, people just kind of overlook it. Um, rather than if it's like a physical condition or if you have like a sprained ankle or if you hurt like your wrist or you or your head is hurting, things like that, you can go on, you can go on Google and you can be like, oh, I have like a migraine. I like twisted my ankle. Like there's these diagnoses that like people know about that you can attach labels to, but mental health is a very ambiguous thing where you can't just be like, you know, I'm feeling this way. This is what I can do about it. And I'll feel better. Maybe you don't feel better. And that's kind of like the harsh reality of it. And sometimes because of that fear that you might not get better, that it might actually be a problem. People get scared of reaching out for help. So that's what my book is really about. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a really really good topic, and I really appreciate you bringing up like the fact there's no labels in a lot of South Asian cultures for mental health. I haven't even thought about it that much, but it, it really is a very ambiguous topic. Even the little things like language wise, and I think that's all something that's really important to bring to light. So I'm really glad you're doing so with your book. Um, but yeah, so that kind of moves into the next question. Just tell us more about your book. Was there a specific event in your life that inspired you to write it, or you know, like where did that come from? Yeah, so I've kind of been, I wouldn't say I've been a writer, but I've done a lot of like dance and stuff in the past. So this idea of expression has always been on my mind. Um, and I always try to like use my life's experiences in a way to inspire other people, whether it be through dance or through conversations or through just putting myself out there. Um, and I honestly didn't think about writing a book until one of my friends did through the same program that I am. Um, he wrote a book on like the medical industry, specifically focusing on South Asia and being a South Asian patient in the medical industry. Mm -hmm. um, it's a very interesting book. And he kind of focused on that topic because he felt personally connected to it as a South Asian student studying um, like a pre-med track, being on the pre-med track. Um, so I actually started writing like my freshman year in the, in the spring. I decided to write about this really interesting topic about like um, it, it, it focused on like this idea of love being a very ambiguous, very like sought after thing, but people don't really understand what it is or they don't understand like how far that they have to go to actually reach it. They just think, you know, it'll come to them eventually. So it's like a really funny Socratic dialogue. I wouldn't say it's funny. It's a very, it's a very interesting Socratic dialogue on true love, which is one character and the Loch Ness monster kind of representing that there's a very, both things, one seems to be much more real than another, but in reality, they're both very ambiguous, very difficult to understand topics. Um, and that's how I kind of got into the writing thing. I wrote that dialogue and I got it published in like the first year scaffold, which is like a first year writing journal for Vanderbilt. And because of that, I was kind of inspired to think maybe I could do more with my writing rather than just publish in like a, in like a small context with a small kind of repertoire. Maybe I can expand that out to more things that I do. So I started writing this like six, seven months ago, and it's with the Creator Institute. 
which is like a, they work with New Degree Press, which is like a hybrid publisher, um, works with Georgetown University. And they take like a cohort of authors and they go through like the whole publishing process. And in, specifically, I just wanted to focus on like the past events, like being a college student, um, kind of focus on focusing on this idea of like the outs, like being an outsider when you go into college. I, I think it's very real. Um, the fact that even though you think like you'll find so many other South Asians when you go to school, and I'm very blessed to have a very great South Asian community here, but there's always this idea that like, um, that you're an outsider, that you aren't going to be able to fit in. And that fear is pretty strong. I felt personally for me and with the other people that I've talked to, there's always this idea of trying to fit in more and more. And, um, it kind of gets to this idea that like, sometimes we think that there's this objective standard that we have to reach, whether it's our own, our parents, whatever it might be academically, socially, whatever it is, there's a lot of pressure riding on us. Um, it might be for different reasons, whether you put it on yourselves because you want to achieve really great things. You want to achieve very high standards or whether it's someone else who's telling you to do things, or you feel driven by that person because they're your role model or you, you're very, um, you're inspired by them. Um, I think as a South Asian, those pressures are very strong and we succumb to this idea that like, because we are like the, the model minority, I guess, in that sense mm -hmm. that we can get that we can get to that point. Um, even though like we really, we really might not want to that we have different aspirations in mind. Um, so it's kind of driven based on these conversations that I've had. It's, it's a lot of conversations all compacted into one. So you'll see like the narrator and a character, just her. So, um, there's no names in it. It's very like ambiguous story, but it relates to a lot of very personal topics related to like, I talk a lot about like beauty standards, um, and the fact that like we have this idea of objectivity, um, but no one knows what that objectivity is. Like everyone strives to have like a perfect body, a perfect appearance, but the idea of perfect varies from person to person. So how can we be sure that what we're going after is what's really perfect? You know, like how do we know what's really perfect? It talks about like a lot, like a lot of philosophical principles, um, tells a story of very interesting. Like it, it tells very interesting stories of people who've gone through, um, a lot and who've come out much stronger in the end. I talk, I talk about like some very famous athletes who also take step back from like their careers to focus on their mental health, Naomi Osaka, uh, Serena Williams, Simone Biles, great, great, great examples of these things. Um, they have done a lot to like inspire others to also do the same thing. Um, but it, it all kind of ties back to this idea of being a South Asian, but also being like the minor model minority and relating it all back to how mental health seems to be like a very, a, a topic that people kind of overlook and not look to find help for, even though there's a lot out there that you can benefit from. Definitely. I, I really like the sentiment of just really connecting it to the truth. Like at the end of the day, a lot of South Asians are considered to be the model minority. And that's obviously with that comes a lot of um, neglectment of certain things, one of them being mental health. And I, I think that whole idea of having like this ambiguity, but also including a lot of different perspectives is something that I would definitely look for in a book. So I'm very excited to see how that is in your book when it does come out. Um, so I know we were kind of talking about this idea of, you know, trying to fit in and how that becomes kind of hard for us, especially as, you know, South Asians. So obviously when you were writing a book, did you ever face any barriers when trying to write that book? And did you ever feel like giving up? And if so, how did you overcome those feelings? I think a lot of like the sentiments that I felt were not being like the right person to kind of voice these concerns to like voice the opinions that I have. Sure. Um, because as like a 19 year old kid, you, it, it, it's hard for you. It's hard for you to like feel confident in yourself that, you know, what you're saying is the truth or not, not even the truth, or it's like actually what other people should believe. Cause you, as like, as you've probably heard from your parents or like how I've grown up as myself, um, my parents are always telling me like, as you grow up, you get wiser. Um, you, you learn a lot more from your experiences as a 19 year old kid talking about like mental health, the pursuit of success and happiness and things like that. It feels very like out there for me to be like, you know, I know what I'm talking about. Um, so to get through those sentiments and try to feel more confident in myself, I've always tried to link it back to like things that I've personally felt and just make it, make it seem like I've or not make it seem like, but talk about the things that I've personally gone through and come out stronger. Um, so that 
everything that I say is based off personal experience. And it's not like I'm just saying things that, you know, might be true for some people, might be true for other people. Mm -hmm. So um, whether it be like reaching out for help in terms of finding a counselor or talking to a teacher or talking to your family members, all those things I've personally gone through and tried to make a big and, and tried to make it like a big stepping stone in my life to try to get to a better place. Um, I, I I would say myself that I have, I have a lot of, I, I'm, I'd say I'm very grateful for all the things that I have, um, whether it be like a strong family, a strong support system, um, and like strong medical health and everything like that. Um, I'd say I'm very grateful for, for all of that, but also um, I've, I've also had my, my fair, fair share of struggles and I've tried to document those. So like the book basically tells like a real life story of all those, like those roadblocks that I've had in my life. Mm -hmm. And, and at the end of the day, like in talking to like everyone who's helped me through, it's always been like the roadblocks are just temporary and the real roadblock, um, like the biggest one, the most permanent one that you'll have is always going to be yourself. Mm -hmm. If you can kind of push through that, if you can be the bigger person, and it's weird to say, right? Like you're to be a bigger person than yourself, but it makes sense in the whole context of the situation because um, there's always going to be like either it's yourself or someone else kind of holding you back. And as long as you push past that, that's going to be your hardest challenge or anything else that confronts you or that, you know, kind of blocks your path will always be easier. So that that's the kind of mindset that I try to employ. And it, I try to incorporate like a lot of like philosophical elements to also that because I know like my barriers aren't like, the struggles that I, I I've had aren't the most crazy. Like I tell, I tell a story of Dr. Frankel, Dr. Victor Frankel, mm -hmm. who actually was like a Holocaust survivor. And the entire time, like he wrote a book about this and the entire time he kind of talks about this idea that like despair and depression is how you interpret your, your situation. So if you have a lot of suffering in front of you, like for him as a person, in a concentration camp, he had so much suffering. He went through so much, but at the end, he came out he came out of it stronger. That's not something you can say for the majority of people who went through that. A lot of people who went through that whole process suffer from PTSD, suffer from so many different things. Mm -hmm. um, but for him to come out much stronger in the end, he tells this idea that like suffering, um, that despair is suffering without meaning. So if you don't have meaning in your suffering, then you will be in that you'll be very depressed. You will be very sad. But he found meaning in something he found meaning in his family hope something to keep him accountable to keep him going through everything and i think it's a very beautiful story that many people have heard but many people don't understand to the full extent that it applies to in real life the whole idea that like situations that arise like for me this on like not being confident in my own, own abilities to write this book is always going to be there i can't i can't just will one day like wake up and be like okay i'm not gonna i'm just gonna get rid of the situation i'm not gonna like deal with this it's always going to be there right it's always going to be in the in, in the back of my head so to get over that you just have to change how you perceive that entire situation once you do that then you know things can eventually get better for you but that situation sometimes it's just it's you just can't get past it it's 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 really difficult so sometimes you just have to change the way you think about that situation mm -hmm. i also would just say like to add on just a little bit i feel like it's really important to remember to believe in yourself and it's hard to not just put all of your trust in yourself and other people. Like it's hard not to just rely on people's validation and people believing in you to feel like you you can achieve something. And I, the only reason I'm saying that is because like, that's something I've been struggling with recently, just making sure I believe in myself and I don't expect others to believe in me. And I think just having that mindset too is really important. Like as you were saying, that's definitely something that people need to, you know, definitely need to like identify before they try to get out of harder times in their lives because that's the only way you're gonna come out stronger. Um, so, so yeah, that, that was a very, very interesting point that just reminded me of that, but yeah. No, I completely agree. I think also what ends up happening is like, we, we always end up thinking that, uh, like, like for me, I think the, one of the phrases that I use a lot in the book from the, from the other from the other character is, um, that it's easier said than done. And I think that's definitely true. Like when, when, when I talk to other people and I try to say like, you know, you can get past this, you can be stronger. I can't. Like as much as as much as I love practicing my empathetic skills and I want to get better at them, I want to be able to put myself in their shoes. Sometimes it's impossible. Um, like I know I, I I talk about a friend who goes through some kind of like emotional abuse, um, and that type of stuff. Like 
I mean, it's, it's hard to put yourself in their shoes and be like, yeah, I feel that. Yeah. Um, like, I understand what you're going through. So, and, and, but, but, but sometimes it's just about, you know, you can't, like, I've, I've heard this from many people. And sometimes, like, when, when your best friend or your closest, like, like your significant other is going through something, um, the best thing you can do is just be that person for them, be the person for them that, you know, they really need in the moment. You don't need to be everything. You don't need to be their therapist. You don't need to be their doctor. You don't need to fix them. You just got to be there, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's a huge thing. And even if you don't, if you don't trust anyone to do that for you, having that trust in yourself to be like, I can be there for myself when things get tough. Even if it's not, I can get past this fully. I can start working to, towards something, potentially get through it. I think that is the biggest thing. Yeah, I think that's a very important reminder. And you you just said it very, very well. Like you don't have to be everything in every situation. You just need to be there for that person. Um, and honestly, just there for yourself. I think that's super important. Um, I know, you know, you also being a college student probably adds on a lot of difficulties onto like all of the things you have on your plate. The fact that, you know, you're obviously going to a very, it's a great school, obviously. So I'm assuming there's a lot of competition there as well. Um, so what is your main... St- message for like college students like yourself who are struggling with life just in general at the moment? I think it's always to try to take solace in the things that you value most. Um, For me, it's being around like people that I love, people that I care about, that primarily being like, I, I, I love to dance and I love being with my dance team. And I take a lot of pride in that. Every, every practice I go in with this attitude that you know today is going to be a great day and regardless of what I faced in the past whether it be um, you know academic things social things whatever it might be I go in thinking that dance is going to allow me to kind of relieve all that take all that off my brain for now Mm -hmm. and just de-stress I think we spend a lot of time ruminating about things that we potentially just don't have the answer to right now Um, and that's okay Uh, I, I personally struggle with that a lot because for me, I pride myself on being a problem solver. And when there's a problem that I can't solve, I get stuck on it. Mm-hmm. And that makes me do, I wouldn't say like unspeakable things, but it makes me do, like I, I get very angry, very frustrated. And I, I think I could speak to a lot of people uh, when you get stuck with something that you're just like, I tried so hard, um, but I but I, I just can't do it. Um, so trying to take solace in like the things that you love to do or or being comfortable accepting that, you know, Bad things happen to good people. And it's the harsh reality. And it sucks. It genuinely does. Like, I've... So many beautiful people that I know have gone through such horrible circumstances. Like, my friend who has gone through, like, emotional abuse, mm-hmm. mental abuse. Um, great person. She's the finest human being I've ever seen, I've ever met, I've ever been with in my life. And she goes through this, and I'm just like, Why? I ask myself that question every morning. I wake up and I'm like, why is this happening? It makes no sense. Like nothing she did deserves like what's happening, but it's it's just a situation. And if you get stuck on thinking that like this, this whole why, why thing, asking those questions, you're never going to be able to get past it. Mm-hmm. But the ability to just understand and be aware, and I wouldn't say be comfortable, but just be understanding that bad things will happen to good people. And that's kind of just the harsh reality. Um, it's not always going to be if you do good things, you're going to get good things in return. Um, I, I can't, I can't imagine. I mean, I, I, I can imagine like the amount of people that have like worked so hard to like get this interview or get to med school or do well on a test and it just ends up not working out. And that's not a reflection of your abilities. It might, it's just, just a reflection of the circumstances that, you know, happened at that same time. Um, it's not like yourself. It's not like you're not smart enough. It's not like you're not, um, charismatic enough it's not you it could just be your circumstances and sometimes accepting that is the biggest thing between getting past your obstacle and kind of just getting stuck on it Mm -hmm. yeah that's that speaks to a lot of people I can tell you that for sure I had a conversation before this with a friend and we we were both talking about this and I'm I'm sure we both could have definitely benefited from hearing that as well um it's a very important reminder and I feel like we all know that in the back of our head but it's a good reminder to know that like sometimes it's not your fault there's just nothing you could have done and you tried your best and it's okay if it didn't go the way you wanted it to go because that's just how life is sometimes so yeah I think that's very important especially because I think a lot of people try to you know sugarcoat a lot of things in life by saying that hey it's all gonna be okay it's all gonna be okay and sometimes it's hard to recognize that like 
sometimes it's not going to work out right away and it just has to be that way and maybe it'll work out in the future but if not there's always another avenue so i think that's a very good reminder um so obviously as a college student you said that you were studying cognitive science correct yes um so i know you touched on this a little bit earlier but you, you were talking about how you started writing in your first year so before that had you ever like written before was it a passion or did it just develop you know in college Honestly, I've never, like, I, of course, I, like, wrote, like, essays and stuff for high school and stuff. But I think, like, the biggest thing was when I was writing for, like, college applications and stuff. And this just, this seems very, like, romantic in the sense that, like, I kind of developed my passion because of college applications. Because it was the first time I got to kind of use that creative expression that I use in my dance in a, rea- in a, in a, in a writing context. Mm-hmm. And I was able to write about very, like, very out things that were very, like, out there. Um, I wrote about this idea of like culture in my common app essay. I wrote about the difficult or, or like the emergence of robotics in medicine and how that could potentially be so destructive to like patient doctor healthcare. Um, I, so I, I wrote about things that are very like, I, I, I like, I, I guess the word would be like scandalous. Like I enjoy writing about things that people are going to be like, well, that's not right. And then they go back and then they're like, wait maybe this could help me or maybe this is right you know i i like challenging my other people's mindsets because that's what i enjoy doing and like personally for me whenever i am in a room or wherever i am i always like to be somewhere where i like there's someone who has a different perspective than me so that i can like learn from them but also be able to take things from them that they say and be like oh well maybe maybe this could be true keep like an open moral matrix where you're like um not everything is like clear cut. Not everything is black and white. There's some gray area in between. Um, but yeah, I think like for me personally, that's just, that's how it is. Um, but yeah. Yeah. That, that's very interesting. I really like, I really like the sentiment of, you know, wanting to change perspectives and mindsets. I think like being able to write about things that make people uncomfortable can be very, very, very impactful. Um, like, Right now, I'm, I'm reading a book that made my whole class very, very uncomfortable. It had a lot of, like, sexual references. But when you get past that, you realize how, how you know, deeply rooted this is in society and the values that we have in society and what they can turn into. And I think, like, having a book like that is very, very, very impactful. And it may seem like it won't be at first, but it definitely will be. So I think that's a very, very interesting approach. And I think it's one of the most impactful approaches. So I'm glad that your writing was develop like that and I also like how it was during your college apps because I think we often will almost like demonize the idea of writing for college apps because it's just like it's so much but I think turning it into your passion is super super cool so yeah yeah I think it kind of also relates to just this idea like when you are writing for college apps or when you're writing in general I've always thought of it as you know like a stream of consciousness type of process like whatever I think I kind of put down on a piece of paper whether it's organized or not that's like an afterthought but for me, it's always been like putting it all on the piece of paper. And that's why like my recent writing has all kind of been conversational. Um, it's always been like a dialogue between two people. And I think that's like just my writing style. That's just how it makes the most sense to me, like a uh, interaction because I can visualize it happening in my head. Sometimes when I'm writing like a academic essay or a scientific paper, I'm like, what is going on? Like, I have no idea what this is. So, and I'm just kind of pulling research and putting it on a piece of paper. And at the end, I'm just like, okay, yeah, I guess this works. But I feel like with this book, with the things I've been doing in the past, it's always it's always like something that you can read and you can be like, oh, I've had this conversation before. Oh, I felt this way before. You know, it's always very relatable and you can like think about a moment or you can visualize a time where something like that happened to you. So like the whole intent, and I put this in like my campaign goals, like one of the biggest goals that I had was not for this book to be like advice because as a 19 year old, I don't know how much advice I can personally give, mm-hmm. but as someone who has gone through, has had tough conversations and has gone through the process of seeking help and eventually coming out of it tougher, um, I want the book to be like a companion that like when you're like, I don't know how to start this. Because for me and for other people as well, they want to, they, 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 they want to share their experiences. They want to go like, I'm going through this. How do I get help? Mm-hmm. But they don't know how to start that process. Like whether it be within their own family or whether they don't know where to go to or what resources they have. Mm-hmm. It's always hard to start that conversation with other people. And that's what I want the book to be. It's kind of like a template for these tough conversations that everyone's going to have to face in their life. 
And the longer you put it off, the worse it damages you later on. Um, and I, I, I've learned that personally. When I put off my personal issues, my mental health, for other things, it just comes back and haunts me even stronger and even worse when it, when it, when it returns. Or when it's actually always present, I just kind of repress it away. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I think that's the case for a lot of people as well. And that kind of goes into our next question. Um, I know your book specifically talks about overcoming anxiety and pressure. And so, you know, I know you were talking about how you struggle to kind of prioritize your mental health. So how have you learned to do so on your own? I think I personally, the best way that I've kind of learned to prioritize my mental health is take time and go to those who can really help you, uh, whether it be like seeing a therapist or seeing a counselor. I know I've made that a very big priority in my life. Um, every week, whether it is like talking to someone who I trust or talking to a professional, I, 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 I wouldn't even say like, it's like a responsibility. I'd say it's something that I do every single week, regardless of what I have going on. Even if it's the most difficult week in my life, I'll always make time to do that just because I know how beneficial that one hour might be. And it seems very cliche that one hour of talking to someone makes such a huge impact in your life, but it really is that big. Um, listening to such an, uh, uh, listening to like an objective third party person who is not as emotionally involved as like your family or your friends, it's just very refreshing. They tell you things that you think about, but you aren't able to verbalize because you're like, you know, maybe this isn't true because of your prior commitments or what you're emotionally involved with. And like your friends, your family, your loved ones will always say things that are the best for you, but they might not be what's right for you. You know, like only you can decide that. Um, they, it might be what they think is best or they might, it, it might be what, you know, they went through and they it was best for them. But at the end of the day, what's right for you is going to be what, what's right for you. And it's what you, what you decide and a professional or like a counselor or a therapist or anyone that you trust, that's an objective third party figure is just extremely helpful. Um, and I know that because I've, I, I, I've talked to like so many other people and it's always become like kind of like a heated argument like a heated discussion where we have so many conflicts of interest that it just doesn't make sense anymore. Uh, but when you talk to like a professional and you tell them everything, they offer you very interesting insights that you're just like, well, I never thought about that before. And you start employing them. Not like there, it, it's not like well, you, you, you go one time and you, it makes a huge difference. But mm -hmm. uh, I talk about it in my book too, like the little successes you you learn to take pride in those little wins, whether it be, and I know my, 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 my counselor tells me this or my therapist tells me this all the time. She says like, make sure you congratulate yourself on every single thing that you do, whether it be you got out of bed this morning, great. You went to work out, amazing. You did this, you finished this paper, like pat yourself on the back, whether it be like kind of mental, doing it in your own head or maybe even treating yourself. I know I make that a priority as well. Try to give myself rewards or set myself motivational rewards um, whether it be like look you finish this assignment you'll get you'll get like Reese's or something I don't know mm -hmm. whatever it might be I feel like it's very important to like give yourself enough time enough room to be like this is this is what I can accomplish and if I do accomplish this this is what I'm going to get in return um, and and that way you learn to de-stress in a way that's helpful in a way that's not dangerous for anyone else um, and, and in a way that's like sustainable, because sometimes, you know, I know personally for myself, like I got to what was in a pretty bad place where I was like learning to cope by like working out and like doing dance very intensively. Mm -hmm. And it just wasn't very healthy for my body because putting yourself through that much stress, academics aside, is just very intense. It's, it's, it's a lot. So learning how to cope in a very sustainable way is just better for you in the long term, just because you can learn how to like manage your time, but also manage your own emotions as best as possible in any situation that may, that may come up. Yeah. Um, I, I really think that's something important to identify. You know, a lot of us tend to cope in a way that we seem to think is beneficial, but it eventually becomes unhealthy. Um, and I think that's a lot more common than we think it is whether that's with, you know, like eating, whether that's with over-exercising, whether that's with, you know, like putting yourself or investing all of your time into one thing, like t going to tournaments all the time, things like that, like that can get in a, a very, that can become a very toxic cycle. Um, but I also know you were talking about those little successes and I think that's a really important point as well. 
Um, I think the, the reason why a lot of people tend not to do that and feel hesitant to do that is because of the perception in our community, in our society, especially being South Asian. So what are your thoughts on the pressures that the South Asian community has on this idea of what truly success is? I think like success is very, I, I think it's a very interesting topic because I think a lot of people think success is like the end all be all goal. Like I want to grow up, I want to be successful. Um, and not a lot of people realize that success and happiness are very different things. People think that happiness is a product of success yeah. and that I'll become happy after I'm successful or, you know, it'll just be like a byproduct that it'll eventually happen. The thing is like it, that's not necessarily the case because I know many people who are pretty miserable in their careers, um, but are very successful. Um, and I, I'm sure many people can relate to that as well, who are doing exceptional things, but are just not the happiest. And that might not be because of their career. It might be because of other things going on. But the fact is like what you want to pursue is what's going to make you happy. And I talk about this pretty interest, pretty intensively in the book, but I, I avoid using the word happy in the book because it's very subjective. Like what makes you happy can be very different things, but feeling content or having a sense of contentment can be objectified in the sense that when you're content, you do things that you want, you know, like you're the, 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 the things that you do are like what you want. It's not driven by anyone else other than yourself. Um, and I, I think the best analogy I have for this is like any exams that you do that you don't do so well on, but you tried your best in it's, it's just understanding that you did your best and that you're content with that. You, that the work that you put in is what you're content with. You might not be happy with your grade, but you're content with the work that you put in. And, and those are very interesting things. There, it's it, it's a huge disparity between being happy and being content. And I think ha when when people pursue happiness or they 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 say that I'm gonna wake up and you know I'm gonna do this so I can become happy, I think that's where the biggest issue comes about. Because if that thing doesn't happen, then you're not happy. Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes like things don't happen the way you want it to. Just like I said before, bad things do happen to good people. And you don't want to rely on that one fact or just that one situation to be like, that's going to make me happy. You want to be, you want to pride yourself on the journey and where you got and how you got to that position. Be content with yourself that this is what I did. This is the, that I got here based on my own principles, my own morals, my own standing. And then whatever happens, happens. Um, and I talk about this a lot with like stoicism, which is like a philosophical principle. Um, Marcus, Marcus Aurelius is one of the biggest champions of that. Um, I also talk about a, a, a lot of different other champions, a few different books that also talk about it. But it's this whole idea that there are things in life that you can control and there are things that you can't. What you can control is yourself, your attitudes, your beliefs, and you can control your reaction to things. And the other things that you can't control are like other people, their beliefs, but you also can't control the things that you get in life. Um, like, for example, if, if, if one day you wake up and you're blessed with a million dollars, um, through a lottery or something, um, that's a gift. Like whether it, it, that is, yes, the money is now yours, but if that gets taken away at any point in time, what, whatever happens, um, it's about staying content, even though that happened, because you shouldn't believe that material possessions are yours because things can change at any possible time. Again, bad things happen to good people and being okay with that is the biggest thing because that's not something you control. All you can control is your reaction to that situation. Definitely. And yeah. that's like, that's the biggest thing. Um, being content in every single moment, being present in the moment and understanding that when things do happen, all we can control is our is our perception of that situation. I'm not sure if that's what you asked. I kind of just went on a tangent, but. No, no, it was good because I think it brought up a really good point. And one of the points you brought up um, was like how you get there, your journey to success. And I think that's something that a lot of people are starting to believe less and less in. And I think I'm one of those people. Like I've always, even when I was a kid, I always used to tell my parents that I never want to cheat because whatever I want to get, I want to get on my own terms. I want to be able to stand and say, I did it myself. My parents didn't help me. Nobody helped me. I did it myself. And seeing other people around you use all the resources around them and and, you know, achieve all these things makes you feel like your journey, it, it's okay if your journey is not like the, the right way or the moral way. And it's okay, you know, if you, 
do other things or try other things. And I'm not saying don't get help or anything for school and stuff like that. That's not what I mean at all. What I'm saying is, you know, your journey to, to get through life doesn't always have to be the same way as other people. And I think, you know, like success is different for everyone because they have their own journey of where they need to reach in terms of contentness. So like, I, I think that was a really, really good point. And I think it, success is really subjective. I don't know. Would you, I don't know if you'd agree, but I feel like success is really subjective depending on the person and where they even start out as. Um, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. I think the thing is like su- success can be measured by so many different things. Because for some people, success might mean money. For success, some for some people, it might mean fame or reputation, or it might even mean love to some people. Like if you have a loving family, that's success. Um, and for me, like having all those different like variables that account for success just doesn't like I I I feel like it makes sense in the fact that it's very variable. Success can be very different things and very different perspectives. But the one thing that never changes is how you feel in the in, in, in the moment. Um, there's this I, there's this philosophical idea of eudaimonia, which is basically like happiness, but it directly translates to contentment. Uh, and that's the one thing that never changes because, yeah, contentment might mean different things for different people, but at the at, at, the, at the end of the day, when you're content, you everyone has the same type of feeling. Like content, has, it, 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 it's, it's like a feeling that you're like, okay with what's happened you're not you might not be happy you might not be ecstatic about it you might not be like this is the best thing ever but you're okay with it and you're willing to move past it um but content could also be used in very positive terms um whenever like you get like a very great like whenever you do well on a test and it comes back and you're like oh my god amazing I, i got an a on this test i'm so happy that my hard work paid off but also like that happiness is also can also be short lived, but that contentment never goes away. Because let's say on your next test you don't do so well, that happiness kind of falters and that it goes away. But if you put in that same work, that same energy, then the contentment stays. Like, do you get what I'm saying? There, it, it doesn't fluctuate that much. Happiness is a very fluctuating thing. You can be happy, you can be sad. Um, like it, 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 it's very difficult for people to be like, I'm always happy. I'm always like being strong. I'm always staying strong. Um, even for me personally, like I, I try to be, I try to put a smile on my face every single day. Sometimes you can't, but that doesn't mean you're not content with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, it could just mean you're, you're not, you're, you're not feeling the day, you know, maybe it's raining outside and you hate the rain. Not, it's not, it doesn't have to be that deep. It just has to be, um, like what you're feeling in, in the moment. Like it's okay to be sad. Uh, you don't always have to be happy. And that, that's, that's another thing I talk about this idea of happiness being people always look, people always try to get it like it's it's a huge goal in people's mind like i want to be happy when i grow up mm-hmm. um and I, and I feel like it's a it, it it's a goal it's a great goal i think it's a better goal than saying i want to be successful because happiness is something that you can personally relate to mm-hmm. uh, and you can be like yeah i'm happy and that's great because happiness is something that you can feel like internally you can feel it but happiness is also something that you i guess you shouldn't like strive for because it should be kind of intrinsic in my head like you shouldn't be like, I'm going to be happy if I do this, because if that thing doesn't happen, then you're not happy. Um, it shouldn't be like conditional. Does that make sense? Like you shouldn't be like, like, it's, it's not like I'm going to do this, then I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a greatest surgeon in the world. Then I'm going to be happy. You should always be happy, yeah. but you can't always be happy because it's okay to be sad, you know? Um, so that's why this whole idea of contentment is where it came from. Um, and I try to focus on contentment over happiness in the entire book. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to put it. I think just being okay with the fact that you're on a journey and that things are going to happen on the journey and all you can do is just stick it out the best you possibly can. I think that in itself is like a goal that um, is very attainable. And it, it sh- I feel like that's a must, much better ultimate goal than, you know, once again, trying to seek extrinsic uh, motivation to be able to feel happy internally. And I, I think, you know, maybe having a goal of, internally finding happiness within yourself is is a valid goal but once again like you're not going to be happy all the time and and I think I really appreciate how your book is like not going to just be preaching you know because at the end of the day like we're humans we're not going to be happy all the time we're not going to feel successful all the time um so yeah I really like the idea of contentment I think it's very well put um and it definitely articulates like this feeling of like you don't have to be happy but you should be happy enough with yourself 
and I think that's a really way to artic- good way to articulate it. So, um, yeah. And moving on to our next question, uh, how has being like Indian American affected your perception on life and mental health as a whole? Um, I think being an Indian American, I've I, I've gained a lot from like my culture. Um, my parents are both I wouldn't say very religious, but they practice like the the like like the Westernized ritual that you know Indians undertake in America. Um, so the, so 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 they do all like the pujas. Um, they, they they partake in all of those. We invite family to all of those. Um, and I think there's a very special like there's a, there's a very special lesson to take away from that, and that is the fact that you can blend your cultures in a way that feels right to you um even though like 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 even though your parents might not agree with it there's always like a way for you to be able to blend like my indian customs with my western customs um like i i i celebrate diwali i celebrate holy i celebrate navratri i do all of these different things um because i pride myself on being an indian but i but my family also celebrates christmas mm-hmm. um like and we blend those customs together. We blend all those traditions, um, and we make the most of it. Um, I think personally, for me, my parents are pretty progressive in the sense that they've they've adapted a lot of Western um, values, a lot of Western ideals um, that are pretty surprising for me, considering like the background that they come from, being born in India and coming here after being married. Um, so that they've only been here for around like twenty or so years. Um, and the fact that they've adopted a lot of Western principles is very surprising to me. And I'm extremely grateful for that because it allows me to kind of progress as well as an Indian American. Um, but I know like a, a lot of people are not blessed with those, are, are not blessed with that type of environment. And sometimes it, it, it's just about understanding that like Westernization, whether it be if you're, if you're, if you're like a diehard Indian and you practice all the rituals, all the customs all the time, there's always going to be this idea that like American things are always going to be on your plate or you're always going to have to kind of take those on Western things um, because that that's where you are, right? Like you live in America and you are an Indian American um, for that matter. So in that sense, like I, I, I feel like I try to stay in touch with both of my, like my sides of my personality, I wasn't my personality, but like my, um, my culture or my heritage um, because I, I love like my homeland being in India from Gujarat. I, I, I really enjoy everything that comes with there, but I love being an American as well. Um, and I love being in a place where I'm able to express both my Indian culture and my values and my American values and culture. I think that plays a big role in my book too, because um, I feel like people get very narrow-minded in their sense that, like, I'm an Indian, so I can only do these things, yeah. and anything else is like, I don't know, it's it's like taboo, or it's not, it's it's like very bad to speak about these things. Um, I think that happens to a lot of people, and the big thing here is like, we're all able to expand our moral matrix and be like, you know, these people come from a different culture, they have these values. We don't have to be okay with it. We don't have to say it's right, but we can. We just have to learn to accept it in a way that's appropriate. Um, so, like this idea of like cultural relativism, being okay with the different cultures and seeing things from the other cultures' perspective without being very harsh and very judgmental. Um, and that's, I think, a lot. Like my parents, I'd say, are very strong cultural relativists. They don't know what that word means, but I'd consider it. I I I tell them that all the time. That like they take. They, they, they pride themselves on taking the lens of American parents and Indian parents and kind of being a hybrid of both. I think that's very important. And I feel like if a lot of people learned how to like be culturally relative, be morally, I don't say morally relative, but be learn to be culturally relevant, relative, it'd be, it would solve a lot of problems that we have right now, even in like the political climate, um, uh, definitely don't want to get into any of that stuff but just speaking about like being open to understanding different perspectives you don't have to accept their right you don't have to be morally relative you don't have to be like yeah what they do is correct because some things are crazy like um i know like older tribes and stuff they use they did like human sacrifice and things like that and that's definitely not right based on like our principles we would never we would we would never say like you know like taking someone's life 
is appropriate. But in that cultural context, it was appropriate and it made sense for them. So they did it. We just have to accept that. It's not about accepting it's right, but it's just about accepting that it happened and that basically it's about learning from it and being culturally relative. I think that's a big part of being an Indian American where you take the Indian values, the American values, blend them together, and you you kind of express both in a way that you're not like, what, what I, in a way that makes the most sense for you and whatever you're most comfortable with. Yeah, I definitely would put an emphasis on like, you, you don't have to do it perfect. There's no perfect hybrid. I think everyone has their own hybrid. Um, yeah. Like I say this all the time, but we're all we're all like our own chai lattes. That's from like an episode from like so long ago with um, like uh, Rahul Piali and Garthik. They're Australian siblings, but it, it was just like we're all our own chai lattes, and that we all have like our own preference preferences as of how much milk you want, how much whatever flavoring you want, whatever. Like that's just a way of really objectifying how all of us have our own blends and our own own preferences as of how much like of our westernized culture and our you know south asian culture we want to include in who we are and i think that's okay because everyone has their own blends however i think it's really important to recognize that you don't have to be one or the other and you don't have to conform to one or the other and being a different hybrid than someone else doesn't mean you don't deserve to like talk to them or be around them or anything because i think everyone's journey with that is very very different um so yeah i think everything you said there was was very very true um, but yeah, other than that, I guess I would just leave my, our last question to be very open as to asking you whether there's anything else you think you'd like to tell our listeners or anything else that is related to your book or other things like that, that you'd like to let us know. Um, not much other than like, I think the biggest message that my book sends home is that like tough conversations, tough situations are always going to happen. Um, and it's just about being okay with talking about them with people that you love, that you trust, um, or professionals that are very credible in their fields and they know what they're talking about. Um, but yeah, it's, I think as South Asian, like students, this book is very much geared towards South Asian students who kind of, I wouldn't even say are like have mental health, like ailments or illnesses or anything like that. But anyone that struggles with their sense of self or their sense of being as a South Asian, because I know for me, like my parents don't put that much pressure on me and because they know like I'm going to do what's best for me. Um, but I know a lot of people don't have that same opportunity to decide what they want for themselves. And they always, they have expectations from other people and, and um, responsibilities that they have to uphold that other people set on them. Um, and, I, and it gets very tough because you have your own expectations and on top of that, you have other people's expectation. And on top of that, you have your own internal drive and your internal grit that tells you like, you can be this person, even though when everything tells you that you can't, um, I know I've gone through that personally, when everything in your head just seems to be like, you can't do this, but you really, really want to. Um, and it's tough. I, I know for a fact that like, I've personally dealt with so many like days where I'm just like, I don't want to get out of bed. I'd rather just stay here where I'm comfortable and not go anywhere. And to be honest, I have done that multiple times before. Um, and sometimes it's, it's not about being like, yeah, like get, getting up out of bed every single day. And then that's just going to solve miraculously, miraculously solve all your problems. It might be that sometimes you have to take a mental health day and, that's okay. Like whether, whatever it might be, um, it's okay to take a step back and recharge your batteries every once in a while. Um, even though, even if it's very small, even if it's like one hour, you just take a quick nap or you watch a TV show or you watch a movie or whatever, or play a board game, whatever it might be. Um, small things that really add up. Um, and again, the little successes, taking pride in those, I think they're very important. Um, every single day um, maybe the little successes don't add up over a week over a month but eventually you'll feel everything you put in over the past given amount of time will will be worthwhile in the end uh, and it's always about the long term i think in in that sense like the little successes um, because sometimes like the short term sucks like what's going on in the present moment sucks and you don't want to be there um, but 
again, like once you once you understand that like the the little wins, the little victories in your life are gonna carry you forward, it's always it, it it's just about like holding on to those and sharing those with like your closest people. Like I know for a fact, like I share like the stupidest things with my friends and they're like, well, okay, cool, bro. I'm just like, yeah, like this 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 is just how I am, you know? Like I share very small things. Like if I if I'm if I'm working on like a dance piece or something like that and I come up with something really cool, I'll go out of my way to show like as many people as possible, even if it's dumb. Like because I, I, I'm trying to take pride in these little things, even if other people are gonna, even if other people don't understand or they're just like, it doesn't really make much sense. That's what I'm, that's what I try to do every single day. And it's a work in progress, even for me. And I spent like the last six and a half, seven months writing it and I'm still working through it. So I know how long of a process it can be. It can take years to, you know, get past some of these obstacles that you have. Yeah, I think all of that was very, very well said. And I'm super excited to hear your book because I think you're very, very well articulated. And I think you do have a lot of knowledge that you're able to articulate. And it's, and it's all very relatable to a lot of people and a lot of, especially a lot of students right now, I feel like, or whether they're college students, high school students, anything. I think everything you said was very, very relevant. So I'm super excited to read your book once it comes out. Um, and I'm, I'm very glad you did push through and finish that book because I think it's going to be a great product. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate you coming on. And yeah. to all the listeners listening in, be sure to check out Krish's book. I will tag everything on the Instagram post um, so you guys can stay tuned for when the book does release. When does it? When is it planning on releasing again? May 2022. Okay, perfect. So obviously I will promote that once that happens as well. Um and yeah, to all the listeners listening in, be sure to check out everything that is tagged in the Instagram post. And thank you guys so, so much for listening in. As you guys know, I always say this, make sure to eat food, drink water, and take care of yourself because you deserve it. I hope you guys have the best day ever. And I really hope you guys enjoy this podcast episode. Thank you so much for coming on once again, Krish. No problem.